On this episode, we are hoping to build a strong connection with our listeners. That's right, it's Death by Internet on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer All you maniacs out there, and welcome to Attack of the Killer Podcast, the podcast that puts the load in downloading. <laughs> this is episode 281, and we're going to be talking about internet horror, or as we call it, death by internet. If they did a Lost Boys remake, that would be the line. Yeah. Instead yeah. of death by stereo. If this death is your first... By 7.1 surround sound. <laughs> yeah, there you go. If this is your first time listening to the show, I can explain. We are a horror movie podcast where a group of friends, we get together with a topic and we talk about films within that topic. We're all just friends, hanging out, chilling, so there may be spoilers, just to let you know. If you like the show, I recommend becoming what we call an attacker. An attacker is a very special fan of the show. Wait, you know what? It's way more than just being a fan of the show. Mm-hmm. When you're an attacker, you're family. So if you go to jointheattacker.com, donate to our Patreon, you will get rewarded more than any other podcast rewards their Patreons. Because by supporting our show, you have the honor of becoming what we call an attacker, part of the Killer Podcast family. You get all kinds of amazing perks by being an attacker. You get a membership card, certificate, sticker. You can get bonus episodes. You get early access to these episodes. You can get... Our various YouTube shows like Insane Mike's One Minute Top Ten List, Killer Critiques, and Video Updates. There is so much stuff you can get. So much more. We love our Attack of the Killer podcast family so much. And we want to climb to the highest mountains and (laughs) shout out every member's name. But we live in Iowa, so instead we're just going to shout them out on the show. Like our newest attacker, Emily Randolph. Woo woo! Yeah. Thank you, Emily, for becoming an attacker. Welcome. Emily has just recently joined our highest tier that we call the final chapter. Thank you so much for being an attacker. Emily, you are now one of us. We'll make her one of us. A loving cup. A loving cup. We accept a one of us. We accept a one of us. Again, thanks, Emily. <laughs> and now, ladies and gentlemen, it's the it's time to introduce you to the podcast crew. His internet router is in the basement. You could say he has come from the land down under. Tad, everybody. Hey. Not too bad. Fonzie. (laughs) He hates using Microsoft internet browsers. It has him on edge. Jason. I hate the joke and Microsoft Edge. It's all true. Thanks for listening, everybody. His dog has a strong internet connection. That's why he named him Hotspot. 
Andy. <laughs> Heidi Ho, Winslow. Thanks for listening. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We know he's a cat person. Come on. <laughs> this is true. I am. Hey, guys. How awesome is Shudder? Oh, man. Very. Really? I know, right? Like, where else can you see Joe Bob Briggs marry a couple in Vegas while watching Necromantic? Literally nowhere else. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Only on Shudder. <clears throat> and you poor fools out there still don't have Shudder? You missed out. It was amazing. But you don't have to miss out anymore. You can get Shudder in your life today. Do it. Now, we here at Attack of the Killer Podcast, we're willing to give you a month of Shudder for free. That's right, free! Just enter our promo code AOTKP and you will get a 30-day free trial of the best in horror streaming. Get Shudder now. Again, that promo code is AOTKP. Speaking of necrophilia, here's Tad with what we watched. What Am I having deja vu, or did you do that same transition last week with necrophilia and me? Did I? I don't know. Maybe I'm just, you know, I'm a type, I guess. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> let's just jump right into it. Andy, what have you watched? Um, Other than, I got a few things here. I've been uh, watching uh, the new White Lotus series with the wife. That's also very good. I suggest you guys check that out. But I got a few Blu-rays here that I w- went through. Uh, have you guys ever watched any of the Ip Man series? Kung Fu? No, I haven't. I'm, the IP you know, thing? Yeah. Is that what is Ip Man? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think they call I've... him Ip, Ip Man. Um, it's the guy that was, there's like four of them. Uh, and this was the last one. It's it's the guy that trained Bruce Lee. And um, just basically, it's it's the last part where uh, he's trying to get his son, you know, some schooling and overseas, and uh, he he reconnects with Bruce Lee. It's just it's it's just a lot of you know your traditional kung fu stuff, but it's got Scott Adkins in it, and I really dig him as you know in Yuri Boyka. Boy, Yuri Boyka, I don't know why that's so hard to say in the Undisputed series, but a lot of fast hand stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty good. We all like fast hand stuff. That's right. You know we do. Fast hands. I might own yeah. one of those movies. Uh, I remember them being at like Big Lots for like a dollar fifty, and I probably picked up the Blu-rays, <laughs> and they've been dusty on my shelf for ten years. Yeah, I mean, the, the, and the and they're not bad. I know this. This is this is Ip Man Four that I've got, but I know like the third one had like Mike Tyson in it, and Donnie Yen fought, fought Mike Tyson, and Mike Tyson's like punching out windows and shit. And I wanted to check that one out too, but um, the big selling point on this one was Scott Adkins and. He's he's kind of a prick in this movie, but uh, yeah, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's worth a watch. I'm sold um, on on pricks and fast hands. Yes, pricks and fa- in fast hands. <laughs> um, uh, next next thing up, uh, I got a Claudio Fragasso movie um, that is just it's almost it goes into that. It's almost it's so bad it's uh, good, and it's called Night Killer. You guys ever seen this? Nope, nope. Uh, you probably shouldn't, but um, <laughs> thank it's, you. Appreciate it's it. just about this guy in a mask that uh, traumatizes this this woman, and he's he's very rapey and very and very killy, and um, but 
the the backstory goes that she's so traumatized that she can't remember who it is. So like her husband that she doesn't even know that she has because she has amnesia has to re-traumatize her in order to like kickstart her memory. It's a weird fucking movie. So like he like basically kind of stalks her even though that she's her husband so she can remember who this killer is that's still going around. And yeah, the the acting is is terrible. Um it's, you know, this the guy's lines the line delivery is just he's the way he says fried chicken like fried chicken. You know, it's it's it's, <laughs> it's just it's hilarious to watch. There's there's a great one-liner. It's just he says I got molested in the men's room. Um which is hilarious and uh the the lead in it is she's really pretty to look at and um you may recognize her as uh the girl in the the girl that's not Adrian Barbo in the Lamborghini and Cannonball Run and um after watching this movie I am thoroughly convinced I it is you know I know the reason why they didn't give her any lines in the Cannonball Run because she's a terrible actress. Uh, but yeah, very pretty to look at. I mean, you can watch it once. It it's almost comes across as like a Nightmare on Elm Street ripoff in a sense. But uh, yeah, it, I I only bought it because I was on a uh, I'm still on a bit of a, an Italian horror click kick. But uh, I can say I've seen it, but yeah, I may just watch it, it watch it again at some point just for shits and giggles. But that's Night Killer. Next one up, I wanted to watch. Uh, I wanted it because it basically has something that I absolutely had to see. And it's basically Marines, uh, ex-Vietnam uh, uh, vet- veterans uh, killing a hippie cult. And the leader of the hippie cult is Sam Raimi. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's he plays like this dirty hippie that you know. Once you see that it's Sam Raimi and he's trying to act all crazy, I can't take it serious. But I still really enjoyed the movie. And it's called "Thou shalt Thou shalt not kill except." And uh, yeah, that movie's it, great. It, huh? That movie's great. Love it. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a good time actually. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, it's, it's very, very low budget, but it also has, uh, it has Sam and Ted Raimi in it. And, uh, Bruce Campbell was in the original short and they also have this on the DVD, I believe. Yeah. It was called Strikers War. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's actually, it's, it's not bad. That's us. It's, I bought it from Synapse and, um. Yeah, you know, if you can check it out movies. online, uh, definitely do. I think you'll have fun with it. Uh, anyway, thou shall not kill except the next one. Uh, I want to. I've been wanting to see this one for a while. It's called Perita per, Perdita Durango. Have you guys ever heard of this? No. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it is a freaking crazy, strange ass uh, movie about this guy that does like Santeria, which is you know like this sort of kind of like a Mexican voodoo. It's got Rosie, Rosie Perez and Javier, Javier Bardem. And he has an even more fucked up haircut than in this movie than he did in No Country for Old Men. Um, it's very hard to describe, but I'll tell it to you like this. Imagine take True Romance and Wild at Heart 
and then have it co-written and co-directed by Robert Rodriguez and David Lynch. And I think you would pretty much get Perdita Durango. It's, uh, I bought the 4K version from Severn, and it's uh, got the 10 minutes that they took out, uh, you know, because it was just too, you know, there's, it's just riddled with nudity, and it's just, with, it's very, very, very violent. Uh, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun ride. It's, a, it's almost, it's a good companion piece to any uh, Tarantino or Rodriguez movie or, or any Lynch movie for that matter. Uh, it's, I, I, I really recommend it. I mean, it's, it's batshit crazy and it's got, uh, um, let's see, it, it'd be Heather Graham's sister in it, which I didn't even know she had a sister. Um, Screaming Jay Hawkins is in this. Oh, wow. Cool. Right. Uh, Don Stroud, um, James Gandolfini, um, Alex Cox, who was the guy, uh, he directed, uh, Sid and Nancy and, uh, Repo Man. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very, it's a very, very unique film. And if you're a fan of like Taron, uh, of all the guys that I mentioned, you, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Um, the last one I'm going to talk about, I finally got around to watching Terrifier 2. Yay. Um, I liked it. Uh, the death scenes are like really crazy prolonged. And, and um, I get that. I get what they were, they were going for. It's got some, it's got some good stuff in it. It almost, it almost ventures into like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, kind of territory in it, in its themes. But um, I don't know if I'm really digging the whole He-Man power sword gimmick. Uh, and another thing, I'm pretty sure that Damien Leone doesn't know how blood loss works. Because there's no <laughs> way that chick in the bedroom would have been alive after losing that much blood, let alone saying it's Bob. Itchy and scratchy, like, in real life. Yeah, it's it, 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 it almost, you know, they, they wanted to go, like, super brutality. But it's like they went so far that it almost becomes comical, and uh, I think that's that's the one. I don't I don't have a lot of bitches about this movie. I mean, other than you know, it's it's probably about a half hour too long. But um, I was I'm still entertained. I'm still glad that I glad that I watched it. Um, I couldn't get the Clown Cafe song out of my fucking head for a couple of days. Yeah, because it plays for twenty straight minutes. Ugh, a scene good. that's way over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh, I can see why people like it, but I mean, uh, it's it's got it's got problems, and just in that, that's just my opinion. But I mean, like the stuff with like the creepy little girl. I love that you know that when her eyes are lighting up. I mean, just they. It's got really good stuff in it, but I mean, I just think it's. Uh, yeah, it's it's sometimes it's like. I feel like it's 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag sometimes. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's, that's all I'll, I'll say about that. Um, I'm glad that I watched it. I, it. It entertained me, but that's what I watched. If uh, you want some more Terrifier 2 action, Brett and Tony with Ash and Abe, their latest episode is all on Terrifier 2. And you can check that out on the pfpn.com. <laughs> nice. Jason, Plug. what have you watched? 
Well, not I'm guessing not Terrifier 2. No, I don't have time for that long-ass movie. What? You said those words? I know, isn't that great? Uh, I've only had, was able to watch a couple things. Um, my favorite, current favorite for the last year or two now, stand-up comedian is Nate Bargatze. Um, I fucking love this dude. And just <laughs> the funniest the funniest guy. And he's fairly clean and not raunchy and oh, not cool. and kind of dumb. But like <laughs> no, he's he's great. And he just had a new special come out. I think it was on Prime called Hello World. And it's fantastic. Like every one of his Nate Bargatze. Okay. B A R G A T Z E. What kind of comedy does he do? Stand up. Stand up. Uh, let's see. This one, oh, Grammy nominated. Uh, he wow. delivers a family friendly take on a variety of topics, including disadvantages of being the firstborn, the challenges of playing golf with your wife, and what happens when a bald eagle touches your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's southern, um, so he has kind of a little bit of a simpleton dumb guy kind of presence, um, but but clearly smart and fucking funny. Um, yeah, so Nate Bargain, and I think he's got something on Netflix, if not two, and he's out there. I, and where did you watch this special I, you're talking about? I think it was on Amazon Prime. Okay. And the only movie I got to watch since last time, um, thank God. I got to watch it. I wished I'd have watched it or it would have been on my top ten last year, but Bones and All. You oh. loved it, right? Oh, hell yeah. Figured it's, you would. It's right up your... Uh, it's, it's a Jason movie for sure. It is. It's Yeah, it's a love story, man, of course. <laughs> um, but man, it's, it's, it's pretty fucked. This movie's pretty crazy. And um, yeah, it's just neat that uh, it's like such a... The way it's handled, it's like um, so intense. The concept of cannibalism, but like at the same time, it's like also like okay, it exists, and it's just a thing. It's part of life. Yeah, it's part of life. <laughs> it's just like a mental illness with anybody else. It's like depression. Someone has depression, or someone is diabetic. Yeah. Uh, they're a cannibal, and they have to eat, or yeah, they'll you're just be a sick. Eater. You know, and it's just one, yeah, it's like, it's common, but it's also like, holy fuck, it's still eating people. So, yeah, and uh, so it's a kind of a road movie. It's kind of definitely a love story, and um, yeah, it was freaking fantastic. I loved and it. And not even a nomination for cinematography or uh, score, uh, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, like nothing at robbed, all. Robbed, Yeah. Yep, so that's what I watched. All right, Mikey. All right. Okay, so, hey, Jason. Yeah. I finally watched a movie that uh-huh. we attempted to watch long time ago after walking through the mountains of uh, oh, Park City, Utah, to watch one particular movie. You and, finally did it. And we were denied. I finally found it. It's on Tubi. Uh, of course it is. Harry Knuckles and the Pearl Necklace from 2004. Oh, yeah. uh, directed by Lee uh, DeMarbre, I think is how you say his name. Uh, he 
did a couple of these Harry Knuckle short films, and then this was the feature film follow-up. Um, and he also did Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter, which I love. Uh, he's a Canadian filmmaker. Uh, he definitely has his own unique style shooting, um, well, his early stuff anyway, shooting uh, everything in 16 millimeter. And his entire audio track is done in post, like all dialogue is is um, overdubbed and uh, you know, sound effects, all that fully, all that stuff is done. Everything is done in post. There's no in-camera, he's, he's almost like an Italian filmmaker, there's no in-camera uh, audio uh, recording so um special agent harry knuckles aka spanish fly is on the case to find the missing pearl necklace he fights bigfoot and teams up with el santo along the way and that's what i love he just throws all these weird things in him and it's got like such a such a hyper energy and it's editing and and it's uh low budget action scenes um there's a scene where he uses uh fish as nunchucks that's always fun oh, yeah um it sounds like rob zombie's wet dream (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if he has seen these he needs to they're yeah they're just they're just a lot of fun um so i i highly recommend that checking some of his stuff out i i don't know where you can find the original harry knuckles films the first two short films but uh but you can get um harry knuckles and the pearl necklace on Tubi. No I'm sure they're all on Tubi. Probably. Well, probably. I don't know. Does Tubi do sh- do short films? Um, if not, you could probably find those on on YouTube. But it was thanks to Troma that introduced us to this guy in the first place. One of their best of Troma Dance uh, DVDs they released back in the day um, had had one the first Harry Knuckles short on it. And so when when Jason and I went to our first Troma Dance, um, we had found out that Harry Knuckles. Um, the feature film, uh, Harry Knuckles and the Pearl Necklace, was a selection of that year's Troma Dance, and so we were pretty excited to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but then it turned out it wasn't showing at like the actual event; it was showing at like the, the crew the, cabin. Yeah, the 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 Troma <laughs> cabin, and it was like a special invite only. And we got we were buddying up with um, oh I forget his name now. Uh, the in-house editor guy that does Darn basically it. all of <laughs> Lloyd's yep. tech work. Uh, he, we were buddying up to him, and he invited us to it. We were so excited, so proud, and we're walking hiking, on <laughs> hiking, getting lost amongst all these cabins in the mountains. Um, you know, getting lightheaded, and we finally find the cabin, <laughs> and it's just like all the interns are just laying around, asleep on the floor, sleeping or drinking or you know playing cards is so yeah. uninterested in what's actually playing on this little TV. tiny tube TV. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't even actually end up no. playing it. I don't think that, if I remember right, they couldn't find it or something. Or, yeah. yeah. Some shit. <laughs> so. It's the biggest waste of a, or like trauma is <laughs> just naturally deflating of a lot of things, but that just <laughs> killed the buzz of the whole trip. Yep. Almost. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Did you see Tubi's uh, uh, Super Bowl ad? Oh, yeah. That was you, awesome. I thought it was a lot of people. It freaked a lot of people out. What was it? It made it look like uh, it was on the Super the Bowl, and then someone hit like the menu and went to Tubi and opened up a movie. Like the app, you know, yeah. appeared and uh-huh. was loading the app, and then the so people freaking out, on and it started flipping around, and we're like, 
like, and it was towards the remote. Yeah, and it, it was like towards the end of the game, so people are losing their shit. That <laughs> someone was that was an actual Super Bowl ad. Yeah. Oh, that's genius. It was awesome. Now I love Tubi even more. <laughs> I I notice when I pull up Tubi the Tubi app on my phone, um, watch watch stuff on Tubi on my phone. They it pops up now this little like little ad thing. Or whatever, new little catchphrase or whatever, where it's like an upside down rabbit hole with a rabbit oh, yeah. peeking out yep. and something about going down the rabbit hole. It's like they know what they are, and that's uh -huh. great. I love them for it. All right, so uh, getting back on track here. The next thing I'll talk about that I watched is I finally got to see Violent Night. Um, oh my God, Simon and I watched it, and it was awesome. Freaking loved it. Um, What's his face as Santa? Um, David Harbor. Uh, David Harbor. I love him more and more every time I see him in something. And he was just the perfect casting for this. It was so great. Uh, you got John Legazano in it. He was cool. Beverly D'Angelo. De haven't seen her in forever, so that was awesome. And I didn't realize, or maybe it's been talked about. I'm pretty sure it's been talked about on here before when you guys probably mentioned it before. But it didn't. It didn't come back into my memory until watching it that it was directed by the guy who did Dead, the Dead Snow movies. Oh. Mm. Yeah. Tommy. Um, Wiseau. We're, yeah, Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's so much fun. It is hilarious, and I highly, highly recommend watching it. I know um, they greenlit, it, greenlit the sequel, but I, I don't so. know how they're going to pull that off. But well, I could see this going, you know, just... Just using this uh, this version of Santa Claus, I could see like a whole franchise out of it. So. I mean, they made Die Hard too, so that's true, right? Yeah, because it's just basically Die Hard, Home Alone, Santa. See, yep. ever everybody makes that comparison that it's Die Hard and Home Alone, but with Santa Claus. Um, and so when it got to the Home Alone elements, I was laughing my ass off because it is so <laughs> much more violent. <laughs> oh the, yeah, and then Home Alone, and just how giddy that little girl is as she is slaughtering these terrorists <laughs> with her death traps. It was great, so funny. The last thing I'm going to bring up is a film from 1997. Um, I'm a big fan of like the New York underground scene of the um, 80s, uh, late 70s through the early 90s. Uh, the underground um, move, uh, underground film movement of that, of that era. Um, back in the day, I was a huge fan of the Film Threat magazine and its uh, partner magazine, Film Threat Video Guide. The video guide was my favorite because that covered, that covered the lowest of the low. It was like all this, just like super, super guerrilla indie stuff. That it, that no one else no one else would even consider touching, talking about in their magazines and the film for the video guide was basically like a bible to me and but the problem was especially back in those days it was impossible to find that stuff, um, find those films so there was a filmmaker made a couple films in the in this era his name is Frank Grow, and he did a, a short that got rave reviews in film for video guide called red and Rosie that I've always wanted to see. And I stumbled upon, um, his feature film, uh, love God. So that's the one I'm talking about here. Love God from 1997. It's, 
it's pretty awesome. Um, I probably would have loved it more when I was younger, but now as a bitter old man, it was a little too hyper for me. I was trying to, I wanted to tell it several times to calm down. Um, but it's, it's a very hyperactive. It's, it's kind of, kind of remind me as far as like tone wise go it's and it's energy as uh, like fried berry. Um, that it's just like nonstop, go, 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 crazy camera work, outrageous camera work, but an overly loud rocking soundtrack through the whole entire movie with no, no levity to, to the, uh, to the score. And, um, and it's fine. And I dug it, but at the same time, uh, if, if it had been a longer movie, um, I, I probably would have gotten annoyed by it, but basically, uh, it, and it's, so, um, Frank Groh is one of these New York was one of these New York filmmakers from this scene. So, it's got some great, uh, great connection. You know, it just it shows a lot of great sleazy New York in it, which you know is always great. Um, and it stars uh, Will Keenan, uh, Tro- hey. yeah, Tromeo from Tromeo and Juliet. Tromeo. Yeah, uh, he's he's the lead in this as Larue. And he is sent out to the streets uh, from the mental hospital after the mental hospital lost its funding, and and they had to release all their mental patients, and they put all the mental patients up in this uh, hotel called the Love Hotel. He ends up falling in love with this mute girl, and he has a roommate with Tourette syndrome, and he's also throughout the film being chased by a prehistoric worm that inhabits people's bodies and mutates them. There you go. That's the movie in a nutshell. It's a story as old as time. <laughs> it's just you know the the the, <laughs> the filming and the editing of it and the you know just this no budget over the top energy of let's just you know push in the camera on every shot or do you know crazy angles or whatever is throughout this whole thing and I I found it I I, I really enjoyed it I think the the aesthetic of it of the way it was shot the and the low budgetness of it and that time period really made it work for me um but it can be it can be a little a little daunting so but that's what i watched hey excellent what have you what's up oh you know i'm uh the opposite of andy and mike i watched a bunch of oscar nominated movies um (laughs) i my favorite of the bunch has been the banshees of ina sharon i think it's how it's pronounced in a Sharon, uh, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson in a movie directed by Martin McDonough. Uh, fantastic, funny, very dark comedy about two friends. Uh, one of the friends wakes up one day and decides he does not want to be friends with the other one, and they <laughs> have a conflict. Uh, and he threatens his friend that if you don't leave me alone, I will cut my fingers off one by one and leave them on your doorstep. Um, and yeah, I won't say anything else, but it's uh, one of my favorites, I guess, of the nominees. I would It's not everything ever all at once, but it's my second favorite so far of all the nominees I've watched. Uh, it's on HBO Max. Check that out. It's getting... You know, every, every both of them are, are nominated. There's a young kid in it that's nominated. It's up for best picture. It's it's fantastic. Uh, now, the ne- I, I just want I just wanted to ask is I I know that the wife watched it and she she really enjoyed it, but I was just like I was wondering. I know that they were together in the movie in Bruges. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, was was that the same director? It is. Yep. Okay. Good. So, well, yeah. Then I really want to watch it now because they were great together in in, in Bruges. Yeah, they're they're a weird uh, sort of dynamic, um, but. Colin Farrell's so fantastic. I watched like an actor's round table about this movie. And he was saying, uh, the director, uh, Martin brought the screenplay to him and was like, I want you in this. And he's like, this is too good for me. And he's oh, like, what wow. do you mean? He's like, I, this, this screenplay is like, I, I don't know if I'm good enough for this role. And he's like, well, I wrote it for you. Uh, and it had to convince Colin Farrell to take it because he was afraid he's going to ruin the movie with like his, uh, oh, he's like, I'm not a good enough actor to carry this. Uh, but he was wrong. It's, it's so wow. fucking good. Uh, and it's, it's only, it's not even two hours long guys. This is like the shortest Oscar movie. I think there's shorts <laughs> that are longer than this one. Uh, <laughs> the next one I watched was, uh, so sort of the opposite end, uh, blonde with Anna, DeMar- Anna de Armas. Uh, it's the, NC 17 sort of controversial Marilyn Monroe biopic on Netflix. Hmm. Uh, it's gotten so much shit. People are really hating on it. Uh, they think it sucks. Maybe it's my lack of knowledge of Marilyn Monroe's real life story. Cause I'm completely ignorant to her outside of what pop culture has taught me about, uh, Marilyn Monroe's right. Right. So if I don't know if it's people are mad because, uh, they don't think it's a fair depiction of her life but if it's even 20 percent true it's fucking saddest story ever she just had a wow very i mean it starts off as a as her inner childhood where her mother tries to drown her alive in the bathtub uh holy crap and goes Jesus. from there and it's sad but man um anna de Armas, i think mm-hmm. her real life story is so fucking cool like she came to the u.s with nothing not even uh the not not even speaking english and you know she Very got nice. into eli ross knock knock i think was one of her first movies and uh taught herself span or english and uh started climbing up the ladder and you know was in bl- the newer blade runner and uh last year or a few years ago she was in uh knives out and and was nominated and now she's like the lead playing Marilyn Monroe and she's nominated for best actress. So uh I just love stories where people, you know, go from nothing to something. Really cool. Uh I don't know. It's a it's a very long and dark movie, but um I didn't hate it as much as most people seem to think. Maybe maybe I went in with it that knowledge that everybody hated it and it was better than I expected because of that. I don't know. Uh the next one I watched was uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio on Netflix. Oh, okay. Anyone else see that yet? Not yet. No. Uh, very cool sort of uh, stop motion type animation. Very, very different story than most of us know for Pinocchio. Uh, very sad. Very, not, not well, pretty dark, but really, really fantastic. Um, a lot of life lessons in it, but it's definitely not your Disney Pinocchio. I'll right. say that. But it's not horror either, but it's really cool. Um, you can tell Del Toro's touched it, though? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. it has like, it has like, seen, yeah. yeah, it has like Spanish, uh, you know, influence and, and the animation's really cool. And it does have some creepiness to it, but um, also very uplifting in, in times and teaches you a lesson, you know. Very cool. And then, of course, uh, watched Necromantic and Phantom of the Mall Eric's Revenge yeah. on The Last Drive In. Yeah. Uh, 
both first time watches for me. Oh. Probably last time watch for Necromantic. Right. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. You know, it's it's one of those. It's perfect to like get exposed to it on Joe Bob, watch it, and yeah. not see it again. Mm-hmm. Like it's fine. It's a perfect thing. Like I can't believe. I know. I, I I shouldn't complain, but it's just like people that that whole Joe Bob crowd. Now that they have the internet to complain. He shows Heather's. They complain. This isn't horror. Blah, blah. Then he shows this, and they complain. It's like, what do you want? What were they complaining about? I mean, what's the, what's. Necromantic is just too much, man. There's no like story to it, and blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I he could literally show any. I mean, he could show my family videos from the '90s. I don't care. Like, I I just want to hear. Yeah. He'll make it interesting, you know. And oh yeah, uh, I I do love that he chose probably the most vile film he's shown on the show ever to yeah. to yeah, do swinging for the fences. I mean, well, I've heard well, about it. Well, he showed it during. Uh, the wedding episode so whoever <laughs> this family who had to like turn in tune in to watch their their son or uh niece or nephew or whoever daughter get married on tv had to sit through the end of necromantic <laughs> yes and that is amazing uh but the the segments of that were really fantastic too uh they almost had me crying uh it was Joe Bob was cracking up. He was he was crying. Uh, it was really well done and really touching and cool. Like this couple won a charity auction to get married on the the episode, and uh, you know they didn't just throw them on at the end. They spent the whole episode getting to know these these this couple and That's doing sketches cool. with them. Yeah, it was really really cool. And Joe Bob dressed as Elvis and married them in Vegas. So. Uh, can yeah, I, that's what that's what I watched. Can I ask a question then? Um, what was it about Necromantic for you that you say you will never watch it again? Uh, just there's there's no. I mean, it's not like it was offensive. It's just nothing. It's no. It's of no substance to me to watch again. Uh, it literally has no dialogue. It's just a score over disturbing images and i know there's a story that goes throughout but it's like that's uh, once is enough you know i okay. it didn't intrigue me enough i'm not by any means shocked or offended um i know that's what they were going for with that you know that is basically an fu to the german film censors i believe oh yeah yeah but there was that whole movement yeah in that time period and you know there's there was like so many of these do-it-yourself made films by these uh, German kids and German artists that uh, just put more energy into trying to do gross stuff or offensive than actually to make a quality film. But I think the big difference between all of them, and I am a big fan of most of them, but the, all of them and Jorg's films, um, you know, especially Necromantic, is there's, there's definitely more, I felt like... I always, if, and there's way more talent and thought and process put into say necromantic versus like violent shit, you know? Oh yeah. <clears throat> and so that's what I really appreciate about his films. And they, to me, yeah, they do lack, they do lack a obvious story and dialogue and everything you expect from a film. They are definitely when you watch them, if you can get past what you're, viscerally seeing is that they are definitely more art pieces than they are. Mm-hmm. Especially when you watch some of his other stuff like the death King and, 
Um, yeah. So. I like part two better. Yeah. And, well, and that's the thing, too. Well, you like you like it because there's a love story in it. Well, yeah. <laughs> but no, but uh, two is even more better crafted. More better? Uh, is better crafted than than the first Necromantic. Out of that whole, if you can lump all of those films from that era in, uh, in that German movement, Necromantic 2, I like, looks like freaking, you know, a Hollywood blockbuster compared to the others. There's so much more elevated technical <laughs> side of things. It's a slower film than the first Necromantic, um, but uh, it's it's done way, way better. Uh, yeah, people people wise. thought they might show both uh, on Joba, oh, but right. that would make too much sense for him. So <laughs> <laughs> he showed uh, Phantom of the Mall, which was a blast too. Oh yeah, I've heard that's good. It's fun. It's definitely eighties. Um, uh, just I was just I know I was getting all excited when he said Necromantic was up next, and I'm like, you know, and I like it tweeted out and. You know, I was like talking online, being excited about it, and then I got, to th- then I got stopped and thought, and I'm like, oh, you know, okay, so the 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 corpse sex scene is one thing, but you know, there's there's definitely some uh, bad things that happen to animals in this movie. So, mm-hmm. and then I, I got I kind of got worried about my excitement. <laughs> so I was just curious on on how you took the film. Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, the rabbit scene is not even like Cannibal Holocaust because they used, uh, you know, stock footage for that. Yeah. And the cat scene is fake. So it's like, it's not, yeah. it's not like I'm offended that about, they they didn't kill any animals for this movie. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know. Uh, it, it was obviously, it was shocking to be shocking at times, but it wasn't like try hard for me. It wasn't, uh, I don't know. It is it's it's a serviceable movie and it it was perfect for this format I think. Cool. Okay. I'm sure that fa- that uh, the married couple's family disagrees, but. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Ted. And I was just curious on your thoughts on it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's get into the movies for this topic: Death by Internet. Jason, what what? <laughs> Internet. Yeah. What's our first movie, Jason? Our first movie is from way back in 2015, and it is called Ratter. This is my living room. Oh, nice. This is my kitchen. You'll never use it. Hey, I can cook a little bit. Oh, your mom's worried you're going to starve to death. Yeah, well, I'm not going to. There's a Wait, Elliot frozen. God, again, I keep getting these weird text messages. Are you feeling okay out there? Mom, it's so amazing here. No, yeah, sit. I'm Michael, by the way. Emma. I'll text you. What's your number? Uh, he's really cute. <laughs> Wait, do you have a person? I did. I, I was seeing someone back home, but uh, we broke up. Ugh, speak of the devil, it's Alex, my ex. It's 854 Wilson Avenue, apartment 4A. 
apartment for it. Can you take a picture of us? Let me put my number in first. It's the least I can do. Wait, all your photos are gone? No, not all of them, just certain ones. So paranoid now. I just feel like some freak is gonna come grab me wherever I go. Emma, why didn't you tell us this? Nicole, I just got home. My door wasn't locked. I never do that. You wanna just pop your head in? I'll stay on the phone. <laughs> Emma, Emma. I am proud of you. Mom, I wanna hug you right now. I wanna hug you right now. Hug you right now. Emma, a graduate student living alone in New York City, is watched by a stalker on all of her technological devices. And eventually the video feeds are not enough for the stalker, so he starts physically stalking Emma. Hmm. I'm so glad I get to talk first on this one. <laughs> um, I've been trying to think about it all day on how to um, be nice. Um, you don't have to. Uh, <laughs> so the VHS movies, you know how I feel about those. Well, this movie, I. So I don't. I don't think it's necessarily a bad movie. But for fuck's sake, the fucking editing glitchy bullshit every three seconds, I cannot stand it. Yeah. Like, look at look at the poster of this. They can't even draw a straight line. Even the text <laughs> on the poster is jittery. If I, the story is as weak as can be. The I don't give two fucks about any of the bullshit red herrings they try to throw at you. There's no story. There's no nothing. All this movie has is a pretty girl. And that's, you know, why we all made it to the end of it, I think. But, and then the ending sucks. I'm not a fan of the ending. Fuck no. Fuck that ending. (laughs) But, uh, so yeah, I didn't like it. Um, and I just, yeah. It was too bad. Because, like, I don't think, I was filmed all right. You know, I thought it was neat. You know, I thought they did a good job, the concept and things, but. God damn it, the fucking jittery bullshit. Just, there's, the internet doesn't do that. No, no. no. We've we've all shot hundreds of videos with our phones, and has there ever been one glitch that has ever happened in any of them? have to be reminded that frequently? (laughs) It's too much. Um, Does everybody just bring their laptop into, like, the bathroom? I mean... (laughs) Does I mean she could she just had, like put it on her cell phone and like put her cell phone down and like turn the volume up? I'm like, it seemed like she was so reliant to just broadcast her shit, just no matter what it was, the most trivial fucking thing. And yeah, yeah there, I, and it definitely yeah. There's there's definite moments she, in here where she does not follow reality. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. That's my major bitch. To be broadcast. I guess. Well, okay. I it's, just want to 
state right now is I'm I make I made the mistake of watching this first, mostly because I've forgotten most of it. That's how forgettable and pointless this movie was. Um, but I, if I remember right, I took it all as like whoever's doing this is like taking over all of her devices. It's, yeah, she's not filming this stuff. No. Okay. Okay. Good. Right. No, that's definitely what's happening. Which is that even a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they make webcam covers and stuff for yeah, your Yeah, but computer. your phone? Sure. Can you hack somebody's phone and just turn on their camera without There's them? There's a knowing? way, I'm sure. Sure. Okay, okay. I, yeah. I don't know. It's connected to the internet, so yes. As you <laughs> made it abundantly clear in the bonus episode, I don't know modern technology. I know. You're, I'm uh, watching you right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah? How many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> They're in. I mean, how many fingers are in? <laughs> Yeah, the your little Wii webcam, all of the devices. That threw me off at first too when yeah. she's playing tennis. I'm like, because my brain first goes to the Wii and I'm like, she's got nothing in her hands. And then I realized, oh, I bet it's um, the Connect on the Xbox because that, oh, yeah. that is that uh, is hands free. Okay, yeah, Tad, you're a little quiet. You made me nervous. Do you like? I know. I I okay, sort of dug this one. Ah, damn it! See, I <laughs> knew he was quiet. Damn. Uh, I don't know. I watched this like I didn't. Maybe it's my experience because I I watched this like in the living room on the TV without the surround sound. Just sort of like threw it on in the afternoon, and I was like, I, I sort of like the different take on on. I, I don't. I can't think of a time or a movie where. I watched like that the killer or stalker took over the devices. I try not to think too much about the logistics. Um, but I, I sort of cool for sure. Yeah. I I sort of thought the, uh, editing was, I mean, obviously this, the glitchiness stuff was covering up, but it's, I don't know, quick and, and felt amateurish. And, uh, of course it doesn't hurt to look at Ashley Benson, for an hour and a half. Uh, I dug it. I don't know why. Uh, and then the ending, what did you not like about it? Because it wasn't a happy ending? I can take that. Because I'm, I'm on the same page. I hated the ending. The, yeah, the ending is just like... I mean, I can, I almost wish it was almost... I was waiting for like almost like a Reservoir Dogs ending where they kind of break through and they just start opening fire on the guy. But I mean, it's it's a little bit more true to life, I guess. Uh, just you know, and it's it's just it's supposed to be disturbing. But um, what what didn't you guys like about it? I don't. I feel like for what I had to sit through, I needed a a bigger payoff. I feel like the the idea the i the whole movie the ideas are there. Just the execution is is. Um, not not good um just because like it's boring there's like some of these shots and again i know it's all supposed to be reality but i'm also purposely watching a fictional film and if you linger for five minutes of your of the camera being on inside your purse and nothing is happening uh you better give me something bigger and better at the end if i have to sit through what um looking at the gum in her purse for five minutes uh, and the ending was basically the same. I mean, there's no it's, payoff and, you know, it, and uh, again, also 
I'm sorry, Jason. No, no, just got to get these thoughts out. But uh, also, if you're going to have a movie that has a mystery to it where you feel the need to include red herrings, then I should probably get some kind of payoff to that mystery. And, and even if it's like a scene like at the end of the credits or something where the camera kicks back on and she's like tied up in somebody's basement crying and then and then things cut out i feel like that was a bigger payoff than what we than what we would have than what we actually got i think the, again the concept is cool where mom is is hearing what's happening that yeah. that's disturbing is all get out and then you know the, you know seeing this guy with the duct tape and then all of a sudden her screams stop like uh so he basically duct taped her head is what how i took it but you know that's me writing a narrative cuz you don't see it, and then, and then I'm I'm waiting for some kind of maybe like last second payoff, and that last second payoff is cops walking into the apartment again for five minutes a shot of their feet. So, that's it. I'm sorry, Jason. What were you gonna say? No, I just the ending is was just what was gonna happen. Like it's just the inevitable crescendo of the story. It wasn't. Offered nothing. It was just new. what it was supposed to be because it's the direction it was going, I guess. Yeah. And I thought, sure. well, and then I was like, I thought the mom was the best performance in the whole movie. I, <laughs> that Matt McGorry guy was like, I did not like his acting abilities at all. But when, when I was watching this, I mean, and I guess this is, if I was writing it, and this, this is the curve that I would have thrown, um, if we ever found out who this person was that was stalking him i would have made it uh the black girlfriend because she was the least she was the, the least likely person. you know the one that she was confiding in the whole time yeah. feeding her all this information yeah but yeah. that's just me I, I guess when i after i watched this it gave me like a a deeper understanding and appreciation you know for not not appreciation but an, an understanding of what adrian king and uh daniel harris went through you know because stalkers yeah yeah because and this is when you know there wasn't you know harsher punishments for this kind of bullshit you know i mean daniel harris and adrian king were looking down the barrels of a gun at one point so i mean it's 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 very serious shit, you know? I mean, Rebecca Schaefer's dead. Guy killed her at her doorstep. I remember the thing that probably upset me the most about this movie is that was the storytelling. So it bothered me that, like, she was reacting. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think she... I think she experienced... 25% of what the audience saw, yet she's reacting in a 100% of what the audience saw. Like, she's nervous and paranoid over, like, what does she have to be scared about? Why is she acting so scared over a couple little things that she doesn't know is even Like coincidences, happening? yeah. Right. Oh, like, yeah. like okay. it doesn't she, she doesn't know what we know. She doesn't know what we yeah. know, but she's reacting... She's as if she does, and that we're the ones seeing all the shadows outside the windows, and we're hearing the doors open. What reason does she have to? I'm not. Yeah, there are things, but so this whole movie then, I just had this thought. This whole movie then is set up in the 
Alfred Hitchcock style of there's a bomb under the table, the audience knows it, but the characters don't kind of thing. Uh, which, in that Alfred Hitchcock thing, there needs to be some kind of payoff to that. And I I don't know. Tad, are we making any sense on our dislike of the ending? Uh, cause I guess so. Uh, I, th- I sort of liked the ending because it wasn't your... I, be, almost because it was simple and expected, and, okay. and the expected is unexpected. Like it didn't, yep. right? Didn't try to like throw in this character we didn't know, or there wasn't some kind of weird twist that it was the friend or anything. Yeah. It was like right. literally, we just watched her die. After all this, she just goes in and gets murdered, and, and her mom has to For listen to it. We if, have no idea. And it felt visceral. Like yeah. it felt. Oh, like yeah. this is ex- this is really what would happen because no one else believed her. Uh, mm-hmm. This kind of shit happens to women all the time, and and everybody gaslights them into thinking that they're crazy, and it ended up costing her life. And to me, it was like un- unsettling. Yeah, it's a true to life ending, but yet you don't expect it because it's not your traditional movie ending. Yeah, and that's what I sort of liked about it in general was it was not a traditional movie i don't know i i sort of like that it was just a bunch of like really yeah. short clips and there wasn't a score and i was like sure, I, I just sort of yeah. dug that you know I, I maybe that overall this this you, you did a great job picking three movies that are similar but very different and i mm-hmm. i really like this episode and it's oh, cool. probably because i really love modern horror too but uh yeah. yeah you got a good point though tad i mean about the ending yeah no i i agree with all mm-hmm. of that too yeah. i don't know there's this yeah first because I'll be the first guy that that'll stand there with you and say I don't you don't have to be spoon-fed everything in a horror movie the 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 unknown is scarier than the known right you know and but there's just something that's missing in the whole film that I don't know that uh just kind of cuz it's not cuz the I feel I just feel like the elements of the ending are there again I said you know the the pieces that I took out of the ending were cool but at the same time i just there's something about the execution that bothered me i just felt like there just needed to be something more and i hate saying that because we we don't have to always be shown but i don't know whatevs did you have any trivia yeah just one piece um this is actually based on a viral short film called webcam produced by a german film student so uh German film student made a short, uh, put it online, and went viral, and got this funded. See, this probably would have worked better as a short. I haven't watched it, but um, you know, I'm going to check it out now. Yeah, yeah, ditto. Okay, Tad, then uh, what's our next movie we're going to talk about? Our next movie is fairly new from 2021. It is called Untitled Horror Movie. I don't know if anybody's ever going to see this. I have no reception. My my internet is down. I can open any of the windows or the doors to outside. I think someone the thing is trying to kill me. Why doesn't she just break a fucking window? The script literally makes zero sense. It's about a spirit that attacks people 
Hussein. That's literally everyone. The scenes you guys filmed were good. And if we all did it and took it seriously, Please. we could definitely sell it. Okay, you know you need more than actors and a script to make a movie. You need financing, you need a director. We keep doing what we've been doing and we just shoot it ourselves. On what? On our phones. <laughs> I didn't film that. Put your stuff and get out of the house. I didn't, I didn't film that. We need to call the cops right now. Whoever did that could still be in your house. What? Why would you say that to her? 911. Oh Chrissy, God. now. Max, Max, this isn't funny anymore. If you were actually there and you actually shot it. Why would I tell her to call the cops? I'm not kidding. Hi. Yeah. Is this 911? Well, where'd she go? Where'd she go? Where'd she go? Somebody she call go? her. Somebody call her. Are you guys all in on this together? Is this <laughs> off camera? No. no, no. Okay, shit. Do we have a name yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking The Reckoning. No. No. Why? I don't like it. All around, no. Untitled horror movie. What? Feels very meta. This is weird. Hey guys, I don't really know how to work this. How do I hang up? Is the trailer done, Jason? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Sorry. When six co-stars learn their hit TV show is about to be canceled, they decide to shoot their own film, unintentionally summoning a spirit with an affinity for violence. Uh, I'm jumping straight to the trivia on this one uh, because it has to do with it, but uh, all the actors and actresses uh, filmed their scenes in their own homes uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, when everyone was in quarantine. This is a blast. I fucking love this one. Mm -hmm. uh, probably my favorite of the group. Uh, really cool. We had, I'm trying to remember, what was the Shutter one called? Host? Yeah. Host, yeah. That was sort of the first one of this like weird, hopeful, hopefully the one isolated bubble we had where films were being made at home uh, during a global pandemic. But... Uh, that one's dead serious. This is funny and uh, fun, and it has a great freaking cast, uh, and they, they really play up to it. I loved all the characters. Everybody sort of had their role. Uh, you might recognize Emmy Raver Lampin from uh, Umbrella Academy. She's in this. Mm -hmm. uh, some really uh, – Cal Penn makes a cameo. Aisha yeah. Tyler has a small role in this, uh, but – Really creative, really well done. Uh, I thought this was really cool. Um, I don't know what else to say. I want to hear what you guys think. This is a second time watch for me, and uh, I liked it just as much as the second time as I did the first. I thought, and plus, you know, uh, I watched these movies in order, and I felt like I needed this movie after watching <laughs> Ratter because. <laughs> It, it rather is, you know, that like that, like we said, that ending is such a uh, just a gut punch and just such a downer. Um, watching this after, right after, I was just like, oh yes, I remember this. This is gonna be hilarious and it's, and it's gonna be fun. And um, I think this was written from a very uh, shallow-minded Hollywood perspective because they're always these characters they're always dressing each other down. I mean, there's, there's no like, uh, you know, 
positivity. Like there's like one this one moment of tenderness is followed by like two or three, you know, just put downs and stuff. I was just like, oh my god, you guys, you know, you're you're likable, but you barely. <laughs> exactly. They they go out of their way to make themselves unlikable. Yeah. It is they, they make it so difficult to like them, uh-huh. even though you do like them, because it's just it's their rapport is so funny. Um and they but, also always put their career first. Like exactly. are very yeah. shallow and yeah. It's very cutthroat. And um but I mean I think basically uh I would have to say what's the writer was was his name Kip, I believe. Well, I think the writer and uh, the the blonde because uh, are probably my yes, favorites. Kip. Yeah, Kip and was it was it uh, Chrissy? Chrissy, yes. <laughs> and Chrissy's only really likable because she's such a freaking dimwit. Yeah, you know? that's what's hilarious. Yeah, yep. yeah, 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 and. Uh, I guess uh, the 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 black gal with the the blonde hair. I can't Alex. remember. Alex. Alex. Yeah, and, and she's pretty likable too. But like Declan, he's kind of a prick. Uh, the yeah. the other gal is like really really self absorbed. Kelly. Yeah. And and, and Ma- Max is okay too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, they're just. Um, but yeah, like they said, they're they're always they're always ragging on each other. But I mean, and some of their performances are just you know when they're doing their scenes is just is pretty funny. But um, but yeah, I got nothing but good stuff uh, to say about this movie. I mean, I'm I'm glad you know. I mean, I feel bad because I forgot about it, but I'm so happy that we got to revisit it. Um, yeah. I, I really can't say enough good things about this movie. It's just I everybody should everybody needs to watch this one. Well, this movie it had me pissed off. What? Oh boy. Cause <laughs> of how fucking great it is. Oh, it shouldn't be oh, oh, sneaky, oh, sneaky man. Uh, well, I'm pissed at Mike because he just like <laughs> randomly took a chance on this movie that like doesn't have a name yeah it's and for, for the 20 2021 um you know like we would have all or... missed it if you didn't just try it exactly you i know? was like desperately trying to find something that wasn't previously already on our list and i saw this i'm like oh, i'll give it a shot i'm kind of digging this uh you know this like new style of skype horror films right Right, and it, yeah, I'm just pissed at how good it is. At like, no, at like starting off, and like you hate them all, and you're like, but you like fall for it. There's something about There's them. There's something though. about it that like you, they just keep you keep hanging in there for a while, and then, and then you're just sucked in, and you can't not just go with it. So, damn it, <laughs> it's, it's just great. Everyone needs to see it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it was a. Blind watch out of nowhere just to have another title on my 2021 year ender, thinking it's probably not going to amount to much. And it ended up being in my top 10. I'm pretty sure yeah. if I remember right, it was in my top 10, probably in the top I think five. In mine was a, it was at least an honorable mention, I know for me. Yeah, so I was really excited with this topic because for those of you who hadn't seen it yet, I wanted to make sure you've seen it. Because this, this movie is kind of in that category for me as Brutal Massacre... Or just a movie that I love that no one knows about, then I am willing to get up on my soapbox and campaign this movie. 
Um, and I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm, I dug this, like, this new sub-sub-genre in horror of this, these Skype type of, you know, webcammy horror films. It's all fun and great. Love them. Uh, but I find it interesting. Anytime we get a new subgenre of mm-hmm. horror going and, and there's momentum in that subgenre, then the satirical bastards come out of the woodwork and start doing some really um, poking jabs at the subgenre with, with like in a comical satirical sense. But this one's right out of the gate of the subgenre. It like wasted no time poking, poking fun at uh, this subgenre. It is really funny. It's super meta because everything they're talking about doing for making this movie is what actually happens in the movie down to the title of the movie, t- naming mm-hmm. the movie. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, and the characters, you kind of hate them right out of the gate, but there's something compelling about them that's still entertaining to watch, maybe because because it's so it's so funny that because because of their characters that makes these situations so funny or the fact that as much as they do knock each other down a lot i i still feel like there is some kind of bond between them because when the crap hits the fan they care they they're caring about what happens yeah. to each other i feel like what made would have made this movie more of a success or more in the spotlight if they took the scene where spooky stuff and scary stuff is happening in one camera and then the other camera, the guy spills his wine, and he's obsessed with spilling wine all over his carpet during this like intense horror scene. If they just would have taken that clip and made that the trailer, because yeah. that is the funniest <laughs> part of the movie for me. I died. He's like so obsessed with spilling his wine, just totally deflating the tense, the tenseness of the scene. This movie does the whole Skype thing, but it obviously is. It doesn't. It doesn't obsess about trying to make it a real like you're watching reality because the movie has a score. Um, you get some recognizable faces in there, and and you don't get any of those weird glitches. Um, so I feel like uh, and and that and that I think plays into the whole satire of the whole thing. Um, and just oh, I don't want to give away the ending, but I just <laughs> again the last line of the movie had me in stitches so funny so yeah definitely it, it, people out there who have not seen it it's on prime it's on tubi it's on plex it's everywhere uh but i just feel like it has not gotten the attention it deserves i think uh a lot has to do with just the chemistry of everybody like i said everybody we have like the dizzy blonde the sort of conceited uh guy the the smart uh kip is sort of like considered like he's the one, the writer who's coming up with this stuff. And they, all they can do is like give him shit for his mustache, the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> you know, Ke- Kelly's the lead girl. That's, uh, cons- that's taking it seriously and trying to be a serious actor and is always worried about like her reputation in the show. Uh, you know, it- it's, it's, uh, yeah. Always I've, giving I've, shit to Max about his acting coach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, 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 uh, very funny, but also like, yeah, points in the mirror right back at, you know, actors. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Awesome. So you brought up trivia right away. Did you have any others you wanted to mention? No, that was the only uh, thing I thought was really interesting okay. is that they they actually did. I were I wondered about that if it was uh, actually done that way or you know you could do that now. Uh, 
and I'm like, this that's really well done. Uh, they did a great job with that. Yeah, they actually did film their all their scenes, and and I think was it during credits you, you, we saw some bloopers and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes the movie even more meta, the fact that they shot it that way. And within this movie, the movie that they're making within the movie, they're shooting it that way as well. They're shooting all mm-hmm. their scenes separately by themselves at home, which that, that those moments are hilarious, too. Okay, Andy, what's our next movie? Our next movie is from 2017, and it's called Like Me. A young woman sets out on a crime spree that she broadcasts on social media. Very, very simple plot. Um, Basically, our, I guess you want to call our hero, quotation fingers, Kaya, is just basically, you know, uh, we, we don't get much backstory to her. We just see her. She starts, you know broadcasting her crimes on social media you know this is you know since it's basically this generation is just like you know uh you know it's all about validation on social media anyway you know everybody wants a thumbs up or a heart or whatever and um you know she's holding up you know convenience stores with fake guns and she's um She's just doing a lot of weird stuff, and she apparently, you know, uh, has a has a drug problem. And but with like this this first um, holdup she does with uh, probably the only real likable character in the movie, which is this uh, convenience store clerk. It's just you know he kind of looks like Bruiser Brody to me, but uh, um. Yeah, she, she broadcasts it, and then just the whole internet goes nuts, and basically you kind of get, uh, 
I guess, the other heavy of the film by this guy named Bert, which, oddly enough, as the movie went on, I ended up hating him the most um, because he just reminded me of, of this your run-of-the-mill keyboard badass yeah. sort of uh, Elliot Roger incel-worshipping just pussy that can only be a badass behind a keyboard. Um, but as, as the movie, you know, goes on, you know, she fights, she hooks up with Larry Fessenden, you know, and she makes, she makes him do a lot of weird stuff because she basically seduces him. So, and he knows she's 17 years old, but he wants to try to get with her anyway. So, I mean, there's not a lot of real likable people in this movie and even the people that are reacting to these videos and liking this, you know, this, this bad behavior, um, you know, they're not very likable either. Uh, it's, it's got a really cool soundtrack and it's almost in a, in, in a, in a weird way, it almost kind of becomes like a drug film too, because they're constantly, you know, Larry Fessenden's, you know, taking hallucinogens with her, you know, because she lets him live. And, uh, yeah, it's it's an odd it's an odd film, but I but I I liked it. Um, uh, it's I really loved the ending. The ending paid off in spades, man. I loved it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's because it's whenever you know, uh, and as as I've grown, and even though I've even been guilty with it because I've argued with people online, and I'm thinking to myself like, what the fuck am I doing? Why am I, why am I wasting my time on this horse shit? But I mean, you always, you know, you kind of want you're in the back of your mind. You want to hunt the person down that's fucking giving you shit and just, and, and finally confront them and see, you know, see how much of a badass they are when, you know, they're actually, you know, face to face confronting the person that they're talking shit to. Um, but yeah, just, I, I love this, you know, the sets, you know, like the rooms in the lollipop hotel. I mean, it's like, I thought like, uh, the, the sets were cool, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's relevant now, uh, story-wise, uh, yeah, I, I ain't got much, I ain't got much left to it. I mean, I think it should be watched. I mean, I think it's a good movie. What'd you guys think? I dug this one too, uh, but I know it's because I love sort of pretentious, pretentious artsy bullshit, and I'm right. uh, taken by uh, neon gels and uh, <laughs> you know weird edits and cuts of things that don't make sense and uh, weird dialogue between two characters. Uh, I love that this whole episode was like a mix of three similar movies, but three very different movies also. Uh, so different, right? Yeah, and, and I dug this one too. Uh, I love the performances. I'm like, this is a film festival movie. This is, yeah, right. uh, you know, weird and different, uh, but still really cool. Uh, have, has anybody seen the movie Spree? No. It has the kid from, Stran one of the kids from yeah. Stranger Things. Uh, uh, the babysitter. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, Joe, somebody. Yeah. Uh, the, I thought it was going in that direction. That movie is like basically this kid starts live streaming on his phone and uh, he, he realizes the more crazy shit he does, the more 
watchers and, and viewers he gets. So he keeps ramping it up until it's gotten out of control. And he's, yeah, he, he's like an Uber driver and he's like picking up people and murdering them and, and robbing, uh, food trucks and, and shit It's basically, uh, grand theft auto because he's like seeing how many stars he can get and run away from the cops without getting caught. But, um, I thought that was the direction this was going. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Cause I've already seen that and it's really good, but they, after sort of, the two main characters initially meet up and she sort of takes him captive. It went a completely different direction. Uh, but it has sort of elements of hard candy. Uh, it has, yeah. you know, the, the revenge element, but also had a little bit of that spree where, you know, getting the attention online. Uh, and of course I just love Larry and everything. And oh, yeah. he did right. fantastic in this. And, you know, you put a fucking, uh, you know, film festival Laurel on the poster and I'm probably sold on it, but, uh, <laughs> I made sure not to watch like any previews on any of these, no trailers, yeah, no, neither. no, other than the title. I saw the posters. I'm like, I just want to go into them blind and, uh, just really loved, loved all three. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm probably like the, the worst, uh, host on this episode. Cause I have nothing but nice things to say about all three. <laughs> <laughs> there was some great cuts too, of just like really, you know, really snappy cuts and just, I mean, it's disturbing to, you know, to see pills melting on tongues and Larry Fessenden chewing Rice Krispies and Cheetos and shit. And just, well, yeah, that's what I was saying is I like just, some of the like weird bullshit cuts, inserts that I, those, yeah, that, and I love those that. Those are always yeah. off-putting, off-putting to me, like the really close chewing videos of like, you know, just people eating like really sloppy and just like, oh God, stop. It was really, as Jason so eloquently put it, RT as fuck. But I felt like um, it was it was more necessary. Than just, yeah. you know, it it was it wasn't just to be arty. It was, I mean, it was creating in, the mood and not just creating the mood, but um, the the environment of like online online videos and stuff. You know, like your TikToks. All that is is like dumb weird editings and. And um, apps and um, voice distortions and stuff. So I felt like this wasn't being artful for art's sake. It was mm -hmm. actually part of the story and the uh, environment. It had those uh, Joe Bagos neons, which I love. Like, yeah. give me pinks and purples, and I'm fucking sold. Yeah. Well, it's in the family. I, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. with that on this one. I'm, I, I dig it. Because the, the gas station guy, that's Jeremy Gardner. Yep. And he's one of my favorite directors nowadays. He did The Battery and Spring and After Midnight. Oh, okay. He's in yeah. Christmas, Bloody Christmas and Bliss. and yeah, They're this nice. little indie horror family. Yep, yep. Cool. Do you want to? You can go ahead. Oh, I, uh, I mean, I was pissed off at the opening scene just because I like Jeremy Gardner. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like fucking kids. You know, yeah, yeah that's like, what they're going for, though. Because I was like, "Fuck kids," and then I was, I was like, "Yeah," and then I was like, "Dang it, that's what they wanted." That's what, totally what they and want. And they movie. got it. And then, um, yeah, and then the people making the content, the people watching the content, the people reacting to the content. I mean, that's, yeah, that's the big message of this movie for sure. I thought Kaya was really fun. She was great, and also attractive. <laughs> That doesn't hurt. To oh, she, she's easy cute. on the eyes. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I 
I found myself really liking this movie a lot. And yeah, just from its arty as fuckness. Um, I, I love like, uh, poor man's Jack Nicholson. He's just, he's always <laughs> just great, you know, <laughs> great value, jo- Jack Nicholson. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but he was awesome. Dollar Tree. Yeah. Larry was the man. And like, he is the man. And I just, as the movie went on, I just, I kept falling in love with, like the aesthetic of this movie, this the vibe, the, the like, just the fuck you. I'm gonna make a different kind of movie, that's not like your normal kind of movie. And just the, the more I got of it, the more I loved it. And it's dirty and it's grimy and it's not, yeah, uh, yeah. It's it can get downright gross, but line of the movie, I would say there's an eel coming out of my arm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Michael Jackson eating Fruit Loops. <laughs> yeah, and it's you know it's definitely a s- statement on the the doomed generation that is these kids these days. And and uh, I don't know, it's just I just I just enjoyed the hell out of it. And and I loved how at the near the end of the movie, it's like you know most of the movie you're like okay, this is just fucking crazy, but you know it's it's just a movie. It's not reality there's it's like it's so crazy there's no consequence for her she's basically like a character in a video game kind of like doing whatever she wants and and that's just kind of the reality they're kind of building and then almost near the end like she has moments of like oh wait i could kill somebody you know like i this could get i could make this real fast and like it teetered there near the end and i just I just loved how they played with it, and then, mm-hmm. and then the ending, you know, it's yeah, just like, yeah. <clears throat> and then bootleg like, Kyle Rittenhouse's face hit the sand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it, I, just, you know, I'll take like just um, not normal shots, you know, if they last five minutes, you know, like make you sit and think about it, and not let you go, like those kind of things are when done right are just fucking great. So I, I did. I really like this movie. I liked it too. And I feel like because, you know, there there are a lot of times where I will complain about some of these more arty films. Um, I mean, this movie definitely leans way more into its message and its artfulness than actually story or character development. So be aware of that going in. Yeah. Um, Because you learn nothing about her, really. Yeah, it's very vague. Which is fine. I feel like all of that plays into the story of this of this movie. It, you know, because you know these a lot of this YouTube content or TikTok content or whatever is devoid of of story or character or personality or any of that. So it really, really works in this film, and that's where I like it when things are over-the-top, artsy, what have you, when it actually serves a freaking purpose in, in the film. So, again, you know, just of not being arty for being arty. Um, yeah, and, the, I mean, you know, it's like uh, Andy said, the characters are not likable, but I feel like they picked the right actors to keep you invested long enough. Um 
Addison uh, Timlin, mm-hmm. uh, who's the lead. You know, she, you know, she's this like mousy little girl. Uh, that so you're, you're just kind of captivated with her and you want to know more about her. You don't get that, but it's you know you, you know just with her performance, the way she, the way she is in this movie and her look, it's just it's just enough to keep you in. And you know, and Larry's character um, can be a total sleaze bag, but there's something there's about something him. about him that you <clears throat> sort of kind of sympathize. I mean, you get you get those like. Those heart ripping stories. You get more more <laughs> character development out of him than than, oh, yeah. than the yeah. lead. Uh, you know when he's talking about uh, you know what happened with his kid and stuff like that, and um, and it's and the fact it just seems like everybody's yeah, lost. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's just everybody's lost in this movie, just mentally, emotionally, spiritually, whatever. Was I the only one that had the thought of like? When uh, all that stuff that happened with him getting shot was just a paint-sniffing hallucination when they woke up well, on the floor after sniffing paint. I'm like, oh, I think man, they did. it was all that. But it wasn't because... They did mushrooms. When he, Oh, they did mushrooms? By, you know, the, when, but when they were uh, by the campfire, oh, yeah, they right. did mushrooms. Yeah, they did that. But, and, yeah. then, and then he got shot. Yeah, but then when they... But then, like... Uh, when she thought he was dead in the tub, oh. all of a sudden you get these images of paint, spray paint, coming across the screen. Another really artful uh, transition moment. Uh, and it, and then you get them waking up with spray paint on their face and him talking about how awesome it is to be sniffing paint. And <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, does that mean the whole getting shot was was just a hallucination? But it wasn't. Because when he ends up standing up after them laying on the floor together for a while, you could see that bandage still on his arm. There, that tourniquet. And so I'm like, oh, good, good. Because it was like, if you gave me all of that and then told me it was all hallucination, I'm assuming the the eel popping out of his arm is hallucination. But other than that, (laughs) him getting shot and all that great drama, tension, and her starting to see the reality of her, of her situation and not just looking at everything through her camera uh you know i would have been i would have been upset if we lost that if it was just a hallucination but i i, I was i the only one that thought that that it it was it was just a hallucination until until it was proven that it wasn't for me i just thought it was just a jump in time you know he passed okay. out and yeah. she got the tourniquet done and he he was good. Okay. Well, okay, cool. But I mean, yeah, it's there's just but after that, you know, once Kaya starts showing some sort of I guess a chink in this armor, you know, and mm-hmm. you start to show like she starts to show like a little bit of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, she gets a haymaker to the face and, you know. I also uh, I also like as I kept falling in love with this movie, like I kept just enjoying this like reality that's just dirty and gross and grimy. Like I felt that's kind of I, I really thought maybe I could really get into glass eye picks, you know, like a lot of those films of that's Larry's Oh, the production, production company. company. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. He's got some great films in there like uh Darling by Mickey Keating, The Roost, Ty West, Tom Noonan, you know. The Ranger, the 
comedy with Tim Heidecker. We got Depraved a couple years ago. Um, Stakeland, Innkeepers, mm. House of the Devil. Like Stakeland's yeah. good. Class I yeah, House of the I, Devil's great. All of those are his production company? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there's some solid stuff there, yeah. yeah. Larry's doing some good stuff over there. And he's directed too, right? Some yep. of, yeah. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. I, th- I thought I remember. I can't remember which ones, but awesome. Tad, what trivia is you got for this one? Absolutely nothing. There's not one thing on uh, IMDb about this one. Okay, cool. Hmm. All right, great. All right, so there you have it, folks. That is it for the films that we're going to discuss for this episode. But there's still more Attack of the Killer podcast to come. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, it'll be segments time here on the show. First, however, you're going to hear a promo for our podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. The PFPN is home to over 30 shows, including Unsung Horror. Looking for the best in deep-cut horror movies? Unsung Horror has got got you covered. Lance and Erica bring you reviews of unseen horror movies, specifically those with fewer than a thousand views on Letterboxd. From Italian to British slashers to shot on video, no stone goes unturned. Check out Unsung Horror and all the other amazing shows at thepfpn.com. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. We're back. Hey. It's segments time here on the show. And we're going to start off by hearing from you guys, the listeners. Here's Jason with shoutouts. It's time for shoutouts. All right, we asked, what are your favorite cyber horror movies? And these are your answers. Let's go over to the Facebook group, the group edition. You can find that on Facebook. It's just look up Attack of the Killer Podcast, colon, group edition. And we got our brand new attacker, Emily Rudolph's up. And she says, unfriended, dark web. I don't like the first one one very much, but this was great. I'm trying... I remember liking both of those, yeah, but I don't yeah. remember a dang thing about them right now. I didn't see the first one, but I saw the second one in theaters and really liked it. And I don't yeah. think it's connected. They're not directly connected, so you can watch the second without the first. Mm-hmm. Well, is it one of them? Yeah, is it, I think the first one, I don't know. I think the first one's like Supernatural. <laughs> Right. And then the second one is more like reality-based. Yeah, and it's all from yeah. like a laptop. Yeah. And then over on our Facebook page, we got Casey Kelderman of the newly appointed to the PFPN the Screams from the Basement podcast. He says, host. You guys like that one? Yeah, it was good. Untitled horror movie. Heck yeah. Yeah. And the underrated live scream. One word. 
Live Scream. I don't think I've seen that one. I think that's the problem with these films. <laughs> I like them a lot, but they're, getting, they're starting to get hard to remember because they, they just kind of all blend <clears throat> together. It's not like you're getting a lot of variety in your mm -hmm, camera mm -hmm. angles and stuff. Yep. And then uh, lastly on Facebook, we got Brian Scott. He says, Videodrome comes to mind. I'll take it. Also, if Terminator counts, since he's a machine. <laughs> uh, plus, we also know it's a slasher movie. Bah-ha-ha-ha, ha. <laughs> says Brian Scott. Uh, let's look over here. Oh, nothing on Twitter. Um, nothing on Instagram. But, oh, Mikey, that red light's a-beeping. Oh, let me get it. Hey, everybody, it's Hacker Brian here for my bi-weekly phone call, and it sounds like we're talking newer horror technology this episode. So stuff that deals with social media and the Internet or cell phone cameras and death. So when I think about that, I go to Don't Fuck With Cats. I know it's a series, but it's only about three hours and ten minutes long, so it's shorter than most of the Oscar movies that are getting nominations right now. Go with Host, Hard Candy, one of the early ones, one of the really good early ones, and how about Captain fucking Howdy in Strangeland, D. Snyder? I hear that D <laughs> wants to bring that series back. I think everybody would be excited for that. So next time you're listening to Attack the Killer podcast, when your phone starts to creep towards your face, maybe the guys are after us. But then again, they want to kill all their listeners. Hope you guys have a good day. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs> What's he talking about? We love you guys. That's right. But there in the beginning, man, he sounded a lot like Mike there with the how, how old he was, like, talking about movies. No? Just me? Just you. All right. So, where'd it go? Um, yeah, you can uh, leave your voicemail and get your voice on the show. You can call us at 415-952-6857, or that is 415-95-AOTKP. Leave us a voicemail. Get on the show, and that is shout-outs. But we're not done yet. Look out over there. What's that over there? Oh, my gosh. It's Insane's Picks. There are times when even the most hardcore horror fan wants to watch something else. Insane's Picks brings you titles that are not horror films, but films that would still appeal to horror fans with maintaining the quality you expect from an Insane's Pick. This film is no exception. Now see, I love gritty, gross, sleazy, dangerous New York films from the 70s through the early 90s. Stuff like Maniac, Chud, Basket Case, New York Ripper, The Exterminator, Street Chat, Trash, even Combat Shock. This episode of Insane's Picks is one of the best of the sleazy New York films, and I'm talking about The Tenement from 1985. Directed by Roberta Finley, uh, who directed Blood Sisters, Primeval, Roberta was born and raised in New York and even grew up in a tenement. Uh, she got her start as a cinematographer in adult and exploitation films. The Tenement is a classic siege plot uh, that you've seen before in other low-budget films and exploitation movies uh, from like Night of the Living Dead to Salt on Precinct 13. 
A South Bronx gang use the, uses the basement of a low-rent tenement building as their hideout until the residents of the building have them removed. Now, for revenge, the gang rapes and kills the people who live in the building. However, the tables turn, and the surviving residents fight off the gang and hold their ground in a viciously home-alone style of revenge. The film is very visceral, with some cool kills and some fun over-the-top characters, both in the people who live in the building and especially the gang members. The film has a lot of the dread and despair that you expect from low-budget sleaze 1980s New York flicks. Uh, there's a lot of time spent with the people who live in the building before the gang invades, way more than you would expect from a picture, picture like this. Uh, the film features Paul Calderson, uh, who is in like Kings of New York, Pulp Fiction, Four Rooms, Bad Lieutenant. And it also has Dan Snow. For all of us horror fans out there, we would know him as Cigar Face from the Toxic Avenger films. This is a film uh, with the honor of receiving an X rating from the MPAA. Uh, one of the few films who has received an X rating for violence only. If you're a fan of simpler times in New York in the 70s and 80s, you missed the days of wholesome entertainment featuring drug abuse, hookers, rat-infested departments, and psycho street gangs. Then you need to see The Tenement from 1985. Ooh, sounds fun. It is. <laughs> and this episode was fun. It was! But yeah. it is at its end. Aww. That is it for this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast. I want to thank you all for listening. Uh, be sure to rate us on iTunes. Uh, check us out. Uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, leave us comments on Facebook, all that cool stuff. Watch Andy through his phone. Yes, yeah. watch Andy through his phone. Uh, we'll send you that link. Uh, if you want to, if you want the show to continue, uh, become an attacker by going to jointheattackers.com. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye bye. Oh no! Could this be the end of? <laughs> what? Attack of the